Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. So, so first of all, so my name's Abraham Hardy. For you guys that don't know me, I work in the kids' ministry in the uh, kindergarten to the fifth grade class. And so I'm going to be continuing on in this series that we started last week called Unstrapped. Now, in this series, we're looking at our financial well-being and how we can become unstrapped, totally unleashed, so that we can live for God. Now, Last week, we talked about how money issues cause so much tension, right? They cause so much tension, not only for our friends' relationship, for us that have significant others in those relationships as well, right? They're tearing apart families and causing a lot of tension there in our relationships. And we want to look at now, what do the scriptures say about what we have and what we can do with what we have, our possessions? How do we use these things? How do we do the things that God desires for us to do if we're not quite sure what God wants us to do? So let's look at some stats. So last week, Pastor Scott talked about a couple of stats. He said in the Bible there, this is from tithely.com, it said um, there's about 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money. About 15% of the Bible discusses money and possessions. One out of 10 verses in the gospel, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is about money and possessions. 25% of Jesus' words were about stewardship. And then 40% of parables that have have a relationship as it relates to money. And there are three times the number of financial references in the Bible than there are when it talks about love. That's a daunting statistic, right? Because it's important because oftentimes that love kind of pulls us away. And that's what we're going to get to and talk about today. Now, this is new stats, fresh off the press, all right? 100% of Blue Ridge Church ate one of these to support the young adults ministry just last week. Yeah, yes. The people that are laughing, the ones that were here, they remember that, yeah? Now, here's the sad part about this statistic. 50% of those people ate here. (laughs) Now, if the person beside you is laughing and you're not, you need to come to church. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. There was a little confusion as far as the restaurants, but we'll get to that a little bit later. All right. So we need to look at some balance in our lives in general but especially when it comes to one of the things that we hold so near and dear to us that we struggle with so much on a regular basis, that being this discussion, this talk about money. Last week, the term that was used was America's a little short on cash. Well, Pastor Scott, he's a little bit more blunt. He said, we're broke, right? What does that mean, broke? That means spending more than what we have, right? Constantly digging ourselves out of this debt hole But all we're doing is throwing that dirt right on top of ourselves, right? Just putting ourselves a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And how these financial pressures and these different myths that we have about money matters, okay, how they affect us in our walk in following Jesus Christ. Now, last week we learned that we talked about greed. So I like it. So for my my job, uh, I teach and I'm a doc. And... um, I've never had anyone come to the clinic and say, hey, doc, you know what? I'm just greedy, and I need to get some medicine for that. How do you, how do you, how do you fix my greed situation I got, right? Pastor Scott said last week that greed kind of sneaks up on us, 
We don't see it coming, and then we realize it's something there. Usually when someone points it out, and of course, we're always happy about that, right? When someone points out our flaws, I'm, I'm super excited, especially when my wife does it. Awesome. Yeah. So happy. She, she's not here right now, so that's good. I can say what I want to say. Uh, the couch isn't that uncomfortable anyway. So we're going to look further into this thing called money matters through the heart of the Apostle Paul. Now, Cool thing about Paul, see, Paul wasn't in the original 12, right? It wasn't, you know, Bartholomew, Matthew, Luke, Paul. Paul wasn't in that group. He came a little bit later. He was still marinating. The Lord was still working on him, right? But Paul used to say some really controversial stuff. He would say something like this. We'll see in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7. You must each decide in your hearts how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. One of these days, this is going to be us, that giving cheerfully. That's hard because you work hard for it. And sometimes there's not a lot of it to go around, right? If we're just going to be just open. There's not a lot of it going on. So how, how do I do this? How do I have this cheerful heart issue? We understand this financial stuff. A lot of it's a heart issue. But the good thing is Doc's in the house. I'm going to give you guys a prescription for some cardiovascular exercise as it relates to a cheerful and a giving heart when it comes to this money situation. That was really corny lead-in, but I'm a dad, so cut me some slack. We're going to look at Paul and what he said here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 5 through 11. It's a little bit long, but we're going to read this here. So it says, these people always cause trouble. So he's talking about these, these religious teachers, these Pharisees. Their minds are corrupt. They have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world when we came into it, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So, if we have enough food and enough clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into the ruin and, into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from true faith and it pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now, little background. So Paul is kind of like, Paul is the mature leader in the church, right? He's the mature pastor. I'm going to say he's probably about... Mm, I'm going to say maybe 5'10", probably 5'10", kind of got blondish hair, maybe a salt and pepper, you know, a little goatee maybe, probably good-looking guy, you know, for his demographic, you know. But I would say Timothy, he's probably a little bit younger, you know. He's kind of a newer guy, maybe kind of darker, complected, maybe about six foot at least in the program. Good-looking guy, clean shave, if you know someone like that, you know. So Paul's talking to Timothy. He's saying, hey, look here, man. It's a heart issue. These religious teachers are telling people that 
They want to get close to God for money issues, meaning they are charging people to hear the gospel. They're leading them astray, but they're trying to get rich in the process. So that takes us to the first myth. What we have and how much we accumulate is a good gauge of our success. What we have, right, is a good idea of how much we're worth. We see this a lot in advertising. We talked about advertising last week. We're going to do it again this week. But I like to talk about cruise ships. Some of you guys have been on cruises before. Don't raise your hand if you have. That's fine. Don't want to make somebody else feel bad. You've been on a cruise ship. I love the cruise ship commercials, right? It starts off something like this. This guy comes out of the water, and he's got abs. Boom, pow, bit, pow, pow, looking like an Avenger character, right? And then behind him is his wife. She's running on the beach. She's got a bikini on. She's got abs, too. She looks beautiful. And then in the background, she's got like five kids coming behind her saying, Mommy, Mommy. That's realistic. Yep. (laughs) Or maybe it's the Disney Cruise Line, right? The Disney ones is my favorite. Because they show the kids, they got their Mickey Mouse head, they got cotton candy, they're happy running around with ice cream, and the parents are running behind them like this. That ain't real. (laughs) The advertisement saying, hey, if we were to have this one thing, now I would be content. I would now be happy if I had this one thing here, right? It's teaching us that we're in need, so to speak. So let's look at our learning point number one. You can find this on the Church Center app, or you can find the QR code on the back of the chair there. Don't put your hope and trust in money. Pretty straightforward. But now, before we immediately go to one extreme, oh, church told me I need to give my money away here, and church said I got to save this one here. No, no. Let's put this in perspective. We're going to a little bit further in this this, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to put their trust in their, trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, we know money's unreliable, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to date myself. So in college, it's 2002. If you were to give me $10 in college in 2002, I'd be like, yeah, I could get something to eat. I could fill my car up. I could drive for about two weeks on $10 of gas. Yeah. Give me that same $10 now. You see me at the church. Hey, hey, uh, you did a great job. It's $10 to get you some gas. I'll throw it back at you. What am I supposed to get to Radford on $10 of gas? Right? Money is funny because it fluctuates. So we put our trust in that thing. It's going to let us down. Inevitably, it's going to let us down. And that's what Paul is warning Christians. He's warning the pastors the, and and. Even now, charities, how we mess these things up as it relates to money problems. God richly gives to us how much he chooses to give to us. He richly gives to us, and he decides how much. Somebody may get a little bit more blessing here monetarily. You may get a little bit more. You may get a little bit less. But God chooses that, but he's going to give us what we need. But we can't put our faith and trust into that because like that, it's gone. It changes its value. Learning point number two. God gives us everything. Some we use and some we store. Well, what does this mean? A couple of years ago, we did a series on, on financial matters. We called it margins. 
We talked about how to have this balance in our life so that we don't get so caught up and I got to get this and I got to move here and I got to get the success and someone's got to call me by this certain title, right? We get so caught up in these things that we get distracted of what God really wants us to do. We call it getting, a little, getting financially woke, right? So we know what's going on. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, it says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. You see, it's not saying that it's wrong to have money. It's not saying that it's wrong to save a little bit of money. And it's not saying nothing wrong with giving a little money away. Now, some of y'all know that tune. Some of y'all do. It's off key, but some of you know it. Now, some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? You guys are the ones that are going on the fast pass. God's still working on the other folks, okay? He's still working on me, all right? But he says, look, there's nothing wrong with that, to give a little bit away. Second myth, if I was just to have just a little bit more, I would be happy. Just, just, you ever been on, you ever got on Amazon, but you don't even really want anything, but you're just scrolling through, like, seeing what would come faster, right? You're just looking, oh, this could come here by two days. I definitely want that. I need that, right? You're not even looking, just scrolling through, looking at dates. What could I get the fastest? And it shows at your door and you're surprised, like, it's here. I'm so excited. You open it and like, and then it kind of, the box is this big, but what you got was this big. And then it doesn't fit anyway because it doesn't look right on you in the first place. And you shouldn't really got it. So you did. And I got to send it back and then get to the post office. And it's so stressful. If I just had one more thing, I would be so content. Just a little bit more cash. King Solomon, he had it right, right? He was like the Elon Musk of his time. He had lots of cash, big fat pockets. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Now, I wish it was in parentheses after this. If I was up here giving out $10,000... You'd be pretty happy. I'd be a little sad because I was like, why am I doing this, Lord? You didn't tell me that when I was praying about doing this sermon beforehand, but whatever, right? If you got $1,000, you'd be pretty happy about that for now. But once you use it, you're kind of back to that square one, right? You're kind of right back to where you were because it doesn't give you that lasting happiness. And it's talking about the love of money, that constant craving for it, that thing that keeps you up at night, that thing that keeps you away from your family which should be your first priority. What does God promise, though, right? What is he going to promise us? He says, okay, don't love the money. Okay, I got it. Somebody got to use. Somebody got to save. I got it. What does God promise us? Well, I would say he promises a facelift. We do another, another medical term. He promises us a facelift, meaning forgiveness, all right? He gives us forgiveness because of the cross, gift. Adoption because of the cross, a gift. Continuous connection with the Holy Spirit through the cross, another gift. Eternity with him and all believers because of the cross. Now, us faith-based folks, amen, brother, preach it. Now, maybe a different church and be like, yes, I, yes, amen, right? But others, is kind of, we're thinking like, okay, I've heard this before. What does this mean? How does it help me? I got bills and I got a lot of them. How is this going to help me? You see, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose 
is to give a rich and satisfying life. This is Jesus. We can get so distracted that it's just pulling the joy right out of us because we're constantly yearning, needing, wanting, craving something that never really brings us happiness. The crazy idea in this, in this Christian world, there's a gospel that's out there that, you know, if we, if we do this, then God's going to bless us with that. Perfect example. In preparation for this, I got to see my patients and I got to go help with the Little League soccer and I got to line the fields and then I got to do my other job with my teaching. I got some lectures and I'm doing this, Lord, so you know everything I'm doing, Lord. Abraham's going to get a big blessing today. Yep. I'm looking forward to it after church. It's going to be great. Don't know what it is, but it's going to be awesome, right? Or if I give to this charity, I'm going to get this in return. That prosperity type gospel. That, but wait, there's more gospel, right? But wait, God can do more for you, right? With four easy installments of making God cool. You know he's going to buy you that swimming pool. He's going to do it. Yeah, he's going to do it. Or make Jesus your choice so he can buy you a Rolls Royce, right? Yeah, that kind of mindset that if I do this, God's going to bless me in this way. See, the problem with this kind of teaching, okay, the problem with this, there's some faith-based folks out there that are working the ministry in the mission field, and they don't have half the stuff that we have today. And the most important, they don't have security, may not have meals, and they're out there spreading the word of God on a day-to-day basis, so that kind of gospel doesn't make sense. And their connection with Jesus, how, how close they're connected on an everyday basis, they're not getting all these things to this prosperity type teaching. I kind of liken it to relationships, right? Best way to ruin a relationship, do something for somebody and wait for their response. With this faith, you like it? Because <laughs> the response is never going to be what you thought it was going to be, right? Because you already had in your mind what they're going to say back to you right? You set yourself up, and then you won't do it as frequently. Then you stop doing it at all. Then you get resentment. You get resentful, and then you're mad, and you say they don't, you don't pay attention to them anymore. It's kind of like what we do with God. I've been praying for this, Lord. You didn't bless me with it. Well, forget it. I'm not going back. I'm going to take my money from this charity that I've been donating to because you haven't blessed my life in return. Learning point number three. This is what's important. We're not promised a life of prosperity or pleasure or ease. Thank you for coming out. Have a great day. Enjoy your lunch. We're not promised these things. But if we look at with a set of new eyes, if we look at Timothy chapter 6, verse 5, it says, their minds are corrupt. Remember Paul was talking to, talking to the folks. He says, their minds are corrupt. They have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. You see, they were charging for their ministry. Hey, if you want to come and hear me, you got to pay this amount of money here, and, and God's going to bless you. We're going to see here in a second how that really aggravated Paul and why. And Paul goes off. I love Paul because he goes off. And I'm going to show you here what I'm talking about here for a second. He's saying, look, they're discouraging you all because they're saying you got to pay all this money to get close to God. And that's not the case. They want to get wealth. So... Let's look a little bit further when Paul kind of has an office pop-off is what I'm going to call it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 27. Now, he says this before he says anything. He says, 
are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. What this means is he's about to go off and talk about all of his stuff that he's done for God. If anyone can do it, I should be the one to do it. He says this, I have worked much harder and been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged more severely and I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was, I'm sorry, five times I received, uh, five times I have received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I've been beaten with rod. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have constantly on the move. I have been in danger from the rivers, dangers from the bandits, dangers from fellow Jews, dangers from the Gentiles, in danger of the city, danger in the country, danger in the sea, danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and I have gone without sleep. I have known hunger, thirst. I've gone without food. I have been cold and I've been butt naked. I've done all these things. So if there's anyone that wants to boast on how close that I am with God, it should be me, right? I call it a a, a godly challenge, right? He's saying, okay, this is what we're going to do today, huh? We're going to talk about how close I am to God. Okay, how much me and God do stuff together. Okay, let's do it. So that's what he says to these guys here. He says, but later in this verse in 2 Corinthians, I want you guys to read this when you get home. Later in this verse, he says this, but what I am going to show you, what I boast in is the fact that I boast in my weaknesses, because in my weaknesses, God can show his full power. In my shortcomings, God can show his full ministry in my life. And that's awesome. You see, because this life is really just a pathway to eternity. It's a trial run. And if you're a believer, we never looked at anything else for a source of happiness except for it should be coming from God, not these things that slowly go away. God should be our security, not what is shown to us on TV to make us happy temporarily. So what does it mean to be content? If we went back to verse 6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth after all. We brought nothing into this world, and we won't be able to take anything with us when we leave it. Then to say again, so if you have enough food and clothing, let's be content. Now, I like this because when we say the word contentment, some people that makes them uneasy. You know, it's, hey, I'm a type A personality. I like, I'm a go-getter. I'm ready to go. I got to make myself better, blah, blah, blah. We confuse contentment with complacency. I guarantee you Paul wasn't complacent in his ministry. He was doing all that stuff for God. He was not complacent in his ministry. You know, it's kind of like, oh, well, I, I just wish I had a better job, but I'm, I'm not going to do the study, and I'm just going to pray about it, you know. And I, I wish the Lord could bless me with this situation here, but I guess I'll just wait on the Lord. I guess I'm just stuck in this, right? That's not what it's saying. Contentment means it doesn't mean that you're not going to have dreams. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have goals in your life. You're still going to have those. But where you are at the current moment, God says, I want you to have joy in that so I can work through you to minister to someone. That's what it's all about. And for us to have a generous heart. If we look in uh, the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. How I praise the Lord that you are so concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you don't have the chance. You didn't have the chance to help me. 
Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content in whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it be with a full stomach, with an empty stomach, whether it be plenty or with a little. So this thing with contentment is understanding that the situation that we're in, we have to understand it. This financial situation we're in, let's understand it first. Let's understand that this is a crisis first, all right? Let's get it fixed so then we can do something and help build the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about giving to Blue Ridge Church and Christiansburg. I'm talking about so you can help the people around you. So a verse that I like that's often taken out of context. So as an ex-athlete, it's one that we put on our wrist before we go play a game, right, so that we can go and, and, and challenge someone. You know, that Philippians 4.13 comes right after the one we just raised, that we just read, excuse me. It said, uh, for I can do everything through Christ that gives me strength. We used to use that when I used to play football. You put it on your wrist. It's like, I can hit this guy. I'm going to tackle him. Yeah, 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 not today. Um, or I'm going to go get this job even though I didn't prepare, even though my CV's in bad shape. I didn't, I didn't have the right clothes for this interview, but I'm going to do it. I can do all things through Christ. Give me strength, Lord. Right? We'll use it out of context. What Paul is saying is this. I'm going to be content. I'm going to be content despite what's going on in my life. Learning point number four, Christ gives us strength to be content. What does this have to do with finances? Get to the money part. So how much do I put in my 401k? That's what I really want to know. God's going to give us the strength to be content where we are so we can do more with what we have, no matter the amount. This is where it's going to get deep. Paul's saying, you got to learn to cope. We got to learn to cope with this thing so that we can now have the passion, right, to help. Passion to be there. There's so many that God has a passion for us. So if we as Christians were able to comprehend the value that God, that Jesus, that Paul, that Solomon's talking about as it relates to contentment, oh, the wonderful things as a, as a Christian body, as a faith-based body we could do for the Lord. See, in my contentment in God and not my money that allows for me to handle my lack of social status. This is me now, my lack of social status, right? I got to be content so I can handle that. My worldly insecurities, right, because we all want to be secure. The lack of possessions that I, that, I, that I don't have but that I want them and learning how to be content. And this one's a little bit emotional, so I'll just bear with me. The lack of of agreement between my eyebrows and my hairline and the constant separation that happens between the two of them, right? I need to be content with that. That's called a five head. I'm working on it, okay? You two, sir, in the back, me and you, five head for life, all right? But we got to be content in all situations, no matter what, small things, big things, learning contentment. So in this last verse, it's coming from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. We read it before, very similar. We talked about in 1 Timothy, but it says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. 
So I talked to you about the facelift that God's going to give us. He's going to do that. Then I talked about here where it says he's, he's promising us. He's not going to fail us. He's not going to abandon us. That's hard because some of us are hurting right now. Some of us have got a household that maybe the job's not working right now for us. Or maybe we're laid off. Or maybe we're trying to get another job. I get it. But he says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to fail you. Maybe your life's more like Paul's. Yeah? Beaten, left ashore, naked, cold, without food. Maybe that's you. But Jesus always has a way of helping us cope and to understand with that. He uses them in stories. See, Jesus teaches us through stories called parables, right? He has all these parables. One of my favorite parables is one of the most complicated ones. You see, Jesus had just finished speaking to all the religious leaders in the community and and all these different things. He's talking about the lost sheep, the lost coin. Now we're going further into the book of Luke in chapter 16. He's pulling his disciples aside. Some of those Pharisees are coming along. They want to know what Jesus is up to. This is Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 18. He says, uh, look here, everyone. There's this manager who works for this owner. And you see, the manager had been mishandling the owner's money. And the owner found out about it. So the owner went up to the manager. He said, hey, look here, uh, Mr. Manager. I heard you haven't been handling my money correctly. And the good news today is you're going to get fired. And you need to get your stuff in order. Hopefully he said stuff. Because you're about to get canned. So now the manager says to himself, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? You see, because I don't have the trade skills because I'm a manager. I don't have the trade skills to go there and do it. And, and I, I don't, I'm kind of prideful. I don't want to do that either. I don't want to go work. Oh, this is what I can do. He says, Jesus says the manager goes to the people that owe the owner some money. And he said, this is what we're going to do. How much do you owe? He says, man, I owe a whole bunch of oil to this guy, right? This whole bunch of olive oil, actually 800 gallons. He said, 800 gallons, skim 400 off the top, but quickly do it real quick. We're going to sign this paper, turn it in. Because maybe if the manager says, maybe if I get favor with that guy, when I don't have a job, he can take me in and I'll have a place to live. He said, but I got to do it a couple more times, right? So he finds another guy who has a thousand bushels that he owes to the, to the, um, the owner. He says, you owe a thousand. Let's give him off 200 from the top. Now you only owe 800. Quickly, write it down. This guy, he's going to have favor with me now. So when I lose my job here, I'm going to have some people that will take me in. So I'm envisioning the disciples thinking like, oh, Jesus is going to tell the main part of the story right here. He's about to say, this guy's going to get in trouble. The owner goes to the manager and says, huh, nice job. You shrewd manager, wise manager. What? His disciples are kind of astounded. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? He did something wrong. Jesus then goes on to tell them, he says, look, what I want you to do with your mammon of unrighteousness, so your money, this worldly tangible thing, what I want you to do with that is to help bring the the, the people of God closer together. And you can do it by what you have. Maybe it's your time, maybe it's your talent, but you can do that by what you have, even what I have given you. So to make it personal, I want you to see this picture here. Sounds kind of funny, but there's a backstory. That's my car. Now, I ain't walking on water. 
not at all, not in the slightest. But I had to learn this heart issue for myself. This car has got me where I needed to go for the last 24 years. It's 26 years old, but I got it. It was new to me, but it was old. But for 24 years, it gets me where I'm going to work and back home, to soccer games, to Florida, to Canada and to back. It gets me where I need to go. I need to be complacent. I need to be con content with what God has blessed me with. It'd be nice if I could just go, whoop, whoop, right? And make the heat come on. Whoop, whoop, make it lock. Whoop, whoop, make it turn on. Doesn't do all those things. But it gets me where I need to go for the last 24 years. And by being content with that, it's allowed me to save a little bit of extra so I could do something kingdom building with it. Man, maybe it's giving it a Blue Ridge. Maybe it's not. But recently, what it's allowed me to do is this. This is baby Ivy. By having contentment in what God has blessed me will allow me to use my resources to do something bigger and something greater. So when partnering with this family, I've learned so much. You see, I thought I was the one that was gonna be blessing them because I was able to give to them some monetary, right? Some money, some dividends, some greenbacks, something, right? To help them out because they're going through this hard situation. Seven months, never left the hospital. Got a colostomy bag, back surgeries, open heart surgeries, intubated but with the contentment that God has blessed me with because it's not my power, it allows me to direct this to something else. And getting to know this family even more and getting to know them even more, talking to them on the phone is so condemning to me because they're so happy. Not because of what we're doing as a family. They're happy because they say, this is what God's given me. How awesome is that? He's saying, this is the baby that he said, we can handle this situation. I'm thinking, this is broke. This isn't what anyone would want. And when I talked to him on the phone, he says, yeah, we didn't want, but that's what we got. That's what we were given. And we're going to do the best we can with what God's blessed us with. Having contentment. That's what I've learned from the family that I thought I was going to do something for them but that's how God does. He allows it to turn it back on us. So as a church body, there's a lot we can do for each other. Maybe this is you. Maybe this is your, and it, a picture of where your life is right now. And if it's not you, we gotta step up. We gotta step up and help each other as a body of Christ. We may be taller, maybe shorter, maybe heavier, may look different, maybe different shades of color. But if we're calling this banner of Christian life, we need to be there for each other. So in this financial series, okay, in this financial series, we want you all to be unstrapped so that you can be free of this, so you can do something bigger and something better. The cool part about it is it's free. It doesn't cost a dime. It's just accepting what Jesus has already done for so many others, just saying, Lord, I'm falling short. I'm probably going to watch something today. I probably shouldn't. I may say a word that I shouldn't. I'm probably going to speed. But Lord, work on me. Make me better. 
help me out with this so that I can be unstrapped, have this freedom so that I can maybe help someone else once I get to a point where I'm able to do that. Let's bow our heads here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. And it's nothing that we did. It's not a talk we did. It's not money that we've given. It's not the time that we've donated to someone else. It was all a gift because we fall short each and every day. But all we have to do is say, Jesus, I love you. And I want you in my life. And I'm just ready to turn a new page. Maybe we need to rededicate our lives because we kind of fall off. Not because we've done things bad, because we get distracted by life itself. Let us have passion to love on each other and to use what you've given us that we can give it to other people without expecting anything in return. That's the heart thing that you were talking about. That's the mindset that you want from us. And we can do it, but only with your help. That's the only way that we're going to be adequate. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you so much, God for loving us by putting Jesus on the cross to take the punishment in which I deserve. And all these things we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So maybe for you, that's where you are. And if that's the case, all right, we have some help for you on our website that you can actually go and figure out what's the next right steps for me in my life. Because I guarantee you when you leave, you still got bills, right? You still may have a half tank of gas. You still may be driving that old beater car. That's not going to change, but in here, that can change. And when you start changing this, this will change and give you a different outlook. For you all that are part of the church, came ready to give back to the church, cool, you can do that online. We don't have to make a whole pasta plate. You can find that online. You can put it in the black boxes if you want to. If today's not your day, cool, see you next Sunday, no problem. Our church, we just want to love on you. We thank you for coming. God bless and have a wonderful, safe Sunday.